The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, you are listening to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy coming to you live from London. We are in Soho in a radio station uh, here. I come to you live right from the heart of the UK capital. And what a place to be over the last couple of days with the political machinations such as they were. We were actually there. At number 10 Downing Street yesterday and uh, watching Liz Truss give that resignation speech and we've been following the fallout ever since, as I'm sure has been Jerry Scott. Jerry is a political reporter for The Times. Uh, Jerry, you're very welcome to the show. I mean, what, what are the latest scores on the doors, as it were, in terms of the support for the three prospective runners, Penny Morton, Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak? Yeah, good evening. Um, well, we've been having a, I would call it a drip drip of support throughout the afternoon. It's kind of started to dry up a little bit into this evening. Um, but on uh, on our spreadsheet at the time, which is only those who have uh, either declared publicly or we have independently verified ourselves, uh, you've got Richard Sunak at around 80 at the moment, Boris Johnson coming in second with around 40 nominations, and uh, Penny Morden, unfortunately, uh, at the back with around 20. Um, but, you know, there's still plenty more to come. Let's see how the weekend goes. And, of course, Penny Morden is the only one so far to have officially launched her campaign. So, at the moment, technically, she's the only horse in the race. Uh, the, the only question mark, though, really is over Boris Johnson, is it? I mean, you're, you're talking to people in the know. It is only a matter of time, is it, before Rishi Sunak declares? Well, I think so. Yes, before Rishi Sunak declares. I would be you know, extremely surprised, obviously, wants it, uh, wants to give it another go. But you are right, there is that question of Boris Johnson and what, what he's going to do. He's been on holiday in the Dominican Republic. There are reports of him coming back. doesn't sound like he's left quite yet, or if he has, he definitely hasn't arrived. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. Rishi Sunak is going to put his hat into the race. Um, he obviously did very well last time round with MPs. He's got the most MPs backing, but then lost out at the stage where Conservative members vote. The way the process has been designed this time, um, it's very much kind of been designed so it might not even go to members. And if it does, it's a very short period of time. So it's all to play for. Oh, I think we may have uh, lost uh, Jerry there. Jerry, are you still with us? Oh, still here. Oh no, you're back. You're back. We did lose you just for uh, just for a very brief moment. Um, that it's amazing watching, or it has been amazing watching the odds for Boris Johnson tumble. He was north of twenty to one yesterday afternoon. He went down to almost three to one yesterday evening. He was second favourite uh, when I came on air. He was ahead of Penny Mordaunt. There, there had been a narrative that the nineteen twenty two committee weren't that keen to kind of uh, to go backwards, as it were, and this idea of having the threshold of 100 supporters uh, was a way of keeping him out of the race. I'm, I'm not sure if that is necessarily playing out that way. I mean, did they get it wrong or was that ever really uh, the plan? I think it's more about making sure you didn't have a massive kind of array of candidates and only those that could seriously command the support from the parliamentary party got over the line. You know, you remember that summer leadership race, it dragged on and on for weeks and weeks and weeks as we went through the various rounds. There just is not time or inclination for that this time around, which is why it's all being done over the course of a week. Um, it may be that it's all done uh, by Monday evening, if not definitely Friday when the members' votes close. So I think it's more about that because there really is no appetite in the country, as you'll know at the moment, for any kind of navel-gazing and drawn-out race that would take mm. up more time when there are serious problems that need to be solved. What... 
are people saying within the Conservative Party about who they definitely do not support? Because I understand the focus is, is, is necessarily on who is supporting who in order to work out whose name is going to be on the ballot. But I understand a number of MPs have come out and said they would actually give up the party whip were Boris Johnson to become Prime Minister again. Yeah, that's right. This is a really deeply divided party, actually, even within the traditional factions that you might see, whether it's more right wing of the party or the One Nation or the 2019 Red Wall MPs. There are real stark divisions even within those groupings. So it's really difficult at the moment to kind of map where people are. But yes, there are absolutely those who think that bringing Boris Johnson back would be a disaster. You know, he still faces this investigation by the Privileges Committee over whether he misled the Commons. Um, that's going to go on for a few months yet. And, uh, you know, uh, that that committee the hearing is hanging over him. It could even result in him being suspended as an MP. So, you know, it's, it, it really is quite a serious situation. And for those MPs who are longing for a bit of stability, which is not something we've had in politics for a good while, um, I don't think that's a very appealing prospect to them. I mean... The result, as you say, uh, will be with us relatively quickly. The interest in navel-gazing is pretty low uh, amongst the populist populace. Um, so we will wait and see exactly what happens and how it all transpires and plays out over the uh, next few days. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for talking us through all of that. Jerry Scott is a political reporter with The Times. Connor Sheridan is with me here in studio, in our London studio in Soho. And Connor has been living in London uh, for quite some time. Uh, Connor. I know you've been a regular contributor to current affairs shows like this one and to others and an observer as well of politics, a close observer. To what extent, if we look backwards on Liz Truss and her reign, to what extent was one of her failings a failure, as, as they say in Cool Hand Luke, a failure to communicate? But she was a wonderful communicator. She was spectacular. You know, she was so educated and erudite and <laughs> full of empathy for people and, you know, her voice was so dynamic and she was wonderful. I don't want to mess it. I love her. No, no. Um, communicate. Well, yeah, I mean, she... Well, how can I say this? First of all, I'm not a journalist or anything. I'm not a political cor- a correspondent. I'm actually an actor. Uh, so I, I'm just a total observer of this. But uh, communication is everything, you know. Um, you can tell so much by the way somebody speaks. Uh, think about it, like all politicians. If you look at all politicians down through the years, whether you like their politics or not, Bill Clinton, Nelson Mandela, um, Margaret Thatcher even, regardless of the politics, they had great voices. They were able to communicate language. They were able to tell stories. They were able to put ordinary stories into a way of storytelling that made people sit up and listen. Liz Truss never had that. I mean, I mean those clips of her down through the years of, of, of various... Um, party conferences and everything. It was a disaster. And uh, I felt the, the night she came out, the night the Queen died, and she came out to uh, make that speech outside Downing Street, it was a momentous message she had to, to portray. But she didn't even have the judgment to look at the actual the, the speech and say, this isn't very well written. Uh, she had no connection to words or language and no creativity. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, communication is, is everything in politics. But I don't think they're aware of that to the length they should be. And when we talk about communication, in what sense do you mean it in a performative way as well, that the communication goes hand in hand with the style of delivery? Well, politics is show business because you're on show. 
show business isn't just jazz hands and glitter balls. You know, it's you're on show. You're on show today. You know, you're on show every day of your working life. Actors are on show when they when they're on stage. Politics, you're publicly speaking every single day, and therefore, you know, headlines are made through narrative. You have to understand narrative storytelling. How did Boris Johnson get to where he was? Creating creating headlines for years before he actually there. By the time he came to the Tory membership, it was it was he was way out in front. It's communication, whether you like it or not. It's communication, and so that's Boris's strength, is it? Is that I mean, in all of the bumbling, which on the face of it, I mean, in the purest sense of the word, is probably poor communication. It is, it is a unique means of communications, and it's a mean of communication that's identifiable with him and him alone. Boris Johnson's loud. He extemporizes. Uh, during the run up to the 2019 election, I was down the House of Commons for those big debates. I went in, I must have gone in about 10 times because it was the best show in town. You know, it was real drama. It was happening. And any, anybody can go into the House of Commons. You can go into the lobby. You can watch. You can watch it from the gallery. And he was loud and abrasive while Jeremy Corbyn was going nowhere. Joe Swinson was the leader of the Liberal Democrats at the time. She sounded like, you know, a school teacher reading the register from, you know, she had no, nobody, nobody sounded like a leader. You have to sound like a leader. The ordinary person won't actually say, well, uh, I like that person because the way they're using their voice or the way they use language or words or, po- or poetry. They, they don't, but they will respond habitually to it. When David Attenborough opens his mouth to speak, you want to listen to him. Tony Blair was a great speaker. He put things in context. Um, Bill Clinton, a brilliant speaker, storytelling. I was watching Boris Johnson during all those debates. He was loud and he was extemporizing. That's why he had no competition. So therefore, because he was loud and he's extemporized all the time, your focus was drawn to him, but actually he was saying nothing. And the truth, everything since that has been a lie because that's what he does. Uh, Is the danger, though, there that you maybe overlook somebody who would be a great politician in all other senses of the word. You know, a great leader of the party, a great policy person, a great understanding of people and what needs to be done and how to reach out. But because of poor communication skills, they'll just never make it. Well, you're the brand ambassador. If you're the leader of the party, you're the voice of the party. You can have all the greatest policies in the world, but unless you can communicate it in a way that makes the ordinary person sit up, most people don't follow politics. You know, you'll vote for whatever political persuasion you like if, you know, if you're interested in politics. The person you have to persuade is the person who knows nothing about politics. Therefore, you have to make them sit up and listen and grab their attention. Johnson was good at that, but actually he really had no competition. I think what's missing in British politics a lot is particular leaders giving context. How did we get here? Uh, No one's talking about the important things like uh, political reform in this country that there's no written constitution uh, the voting system is not is not proportional representation it's not representative of the people but the point is is that we have no leaders actually talking about this i mean where's the king today the king should step in he's head of state uh, the constitution supposedly says you know you um if it's ungovernable the tory party is completely ungovernable and we're all here talking about the symptoms and we're not talking about the cause but to do that, you have to grab people's attention. You have to be able to do it in a way that ordinary people are going to sit yeah. and listen. Um, and it's about language and words and storytelling, and it's about creativity. 
I just unconscious the last two iterations of a King Charles both did dissolve Parliament, but for the first one, he ended up uh, shorter at the end of his reign than at the start. Of it. it didn't work out that well. Maybe Charles III is worried I'm about you, the same thing. If he wants to get people behind him in his first couple of weeks of reign, dissolve Parliment. Yeah, maybe that statue of Cromwell, though, on the way into uh, Parliament that I saw a little bit earlier today might give him pause. Um, do, do you think, I mean, given... The experience of Jeremy Corbyn has been so recent and the leader of the Lib Dems, who you Joe mentioned, yeah. Joe Swinson, disaster. Been, uh, uh, so recent. I mean, do you think enough um, attention is devoted within these parties? Not at all. a good communication? Not at all. I mean, if, if, if I... Okay, let's, let, me, let me look at a game of tennis. Roger Federer, a great, great tennis player, right? He has a whole team of people. He'll have a coach, depending on who he's playing opposite... What kind of shots we'll play against Andy Murray? What shots we'll play? What, what's their weaknesses? Uh, your voice is a weapon, particularly in Westminster, because it's kind of built in that kind of way where it's, you're, you're facing each other. It's built like a boxing ring. Therefore, your voice is your weapon. You need to know how to use it. Um, I might sound like I'm going on a bit here, but, you know, it's about how you use your breath, how to use your consonants, your vowels. Um, Tony Blair was brilliant at it. Margaret Thatcher, I, if anybody's interested in politics, watch Margaret Thatcher's last PMQs. It's a masterclass, whether you like her or not, mm. I despise her politics, but, uh, but she was a brilliant performer and she knew and she famously had voice lessons. You know, uh, you're using your voice every day. I, I, I would have every political leader should have a voice coach or voice coaches with them it, uh, because it's everything about what your communication is. It's funny, I do remember speaking on News Talk to Terry Prone a few years oh, yeah. ago and it was during political debates in, in the US and... Um, she was giving out about how Hillary Clinton communicates. And Hillary Clinton was giving a speech and she used the phrase with humility, about governing with humility. But she shouted with humility, with an upward inflection. And she's saying her husband would never have done that. And Barack Obama would never do that. He says, when you say the word humility, you must slow down and lower your voice so that you appear humble as you say the word. And I just thought that is a great insight into how the, the tone it's all about the tone. Words, Alistair Sanders. Campbell always talks about the tone, right? Hillary Clinton, I always felt she kind of spoke at people as opposed to speaking to them. And there's a big difference between speaking at you and speaking to them. And yeah, it's a, but it's, I mean, her, Bill Clinton, I don't know if anybody, if you saw it, but it was uh, Martin McGuinness's eulogy, uh, the, the eulogy he made for Martin McGuinness at his funeral. It's a complete and utter masterclass. He stood on the altar. His glasses were kind of halfway down his nose. He was making eye contact with everybody. He knew what he wanted to say. He told a story. You have to make the words come alive. Mm. If you're just reading something, you know straight away somebody's reading something. You have to make the words come alive off, off a piece of paper. And then if you make them come alive, they mean something. It's like any great artist. You have to feel what you're doing. Connor, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really interesting chat. Connor <laughs> Sheridan, right. thanks a million for popping into us. Thank you. Uh, here in studio. Now, time for this. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.